Revolution Pink, Episode 7, Writing with Mika and Lola. Hello and welcome to Solution Pink. Thank you listeners for your unwavering support. It honestly means the world to us that you keep coming back each week or stumbling upon us and giving us a listen. We appreciate you all immensely. As always, I'm your host Hannah Wyman and for this episode I'm joined by the incredible Michelle Janina Quartz, aka Mika, who is one of our brilliant Rev editors, a great writer and teacher trainee in history and English. (laughs) who goes by she, her, he, him, and they, them pronouns. And of course, as always, our regular regular guest, Elsie Hamilton, Lola, Gigi, oh wise lord, master of Rev series, writer, author, and leader of our creative collective, who goes by she, her, and he, him pronouns. How are you both? I'm good, thank you. I'm excited. I've never done this before. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, no, like, I hadn't done this until the first episode, and now I'm like, every week, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's really, really great. Um, so, actually, before we, like, kick off, I it really dawned on me, Mika, that although this is the first time we've actually met, you know my voice so well. <laughs> That's true, yes. You've helped me out quite a bit with some yeah. projects for uni. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just a little context for all you listeners. Um so Mika's working on a project and she needed um, like people with dialect accents um, and token Yorkshire woman here um, was re- reading um, texts for for her and sending them via WhatsApp in a weird cryptic cri- cryptic way, which is, is so weird to think about. I was like, yeah, sure, have my voice. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I do delete them after I've used them, though. Just, just to make that clear, like I don't don't do weird stuff with it. It's just I do the test, I do the comprehension task with my students, and then it's it's gonna get deleted, and the students have no idea who they're listening to. They're just that it's a friend of mine. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> like, I mean, if he kept it, fine. I'm really not that bothered. Do what it, whatever you will. I'm happy to help. But it's just, it was just so funny. I was like thinking about this, and I was like, wait, we've not met, but you know my voice. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, I like the Yorkshire accent. It's always good to have that in there because students are so weirded out by it. Really? Yeah, because they don't know it. They get RP most of the time. So they hear Yorkshire, they hear Scottish and they think it's bad pronunciation. And I'm trying to teach them that there is no such thing that as bad pronunciation that's not how language works you know yeah it's quite interesting it's so interesting and I think as well like for like UK accents and dialects they vary so vastly like uh, you know I'm from North Yorkshire and it's so different to someone who is like from Leeds or like Sheffield like it changes like we're only like a couple of hours away but it is like it's so different and it's just such a an interesting thing so I I was like this is such a cool project that you're, you're doing so yeah it's cool cool have they heard a scouser accent before i uh, know but i think they would have probably not understood a word <laughs> no i feel like scouser and like geordie accents are like you know if yorkshire and scottish they can't understand that's like next level of like yeah absolutely oh it's so interesting let me know if they ever do if i oh, do i have any friends i might send them your way and be like record this please i know that they struggle with the south carolina one that i gave them oh really yeah, it's, it's they usually are fine with American because a lot of TV shows and stuff is American, but then it comes to actual dialect, not general American. Yeah. They're lost, and they always say, "Oh, it's too fast," and I'm like, 
all these speakers speak the same, like in the same speed. They're yeah. not faster. It just sounds like that to you because you take more time to decode it. Mm. You know what you're listening to, and it's quite funny because they look at you with big eyes, and they're like 11 years old, and they have no clue what's going on. And you're like, I'm so sorry. I will teach you. Just give this some time. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. How did like Lola for you? Like, how did you find like understanding different accents when you you came over and lived so... in the UK? <laughs> First of all, like, before I really started traveling around for concerts, I mm. was mostly in, like, the South London area. Mm. And my best friend is from Essex. So the first <laughs> accents that I met were Essex and um, South London. Mm. And then when I started traveling, I only realized, I mean, it's kind of the same. Like, you know, when you go to the different 16 parts of Germany, you also have different accents. Um, and I'm actually very lucky because in north germany we speak very like i say it's clear german because yeah. like we ha we have uh we do have certain like in every and every uh of the 16 bundesländer in uh, germany we have um we cut short on some like words and like due to our accents and stuff but within the north or like the at least where i grew up so like around hamburg um we are speak most of the words very clear as they are written in in the uh word books and stuff so when i had the same thing <laughs> it was so interesting because i went mostly like the first northern area was manchester for me right. so i went to manchester and that's when i was like yo these people sound so different <laughs> and that, oh my god my first time in scotland was glasgow oh oh my, oh my goodness, goodness. I was just like, I think it started with like little things, you know, just going to a store and buying stuff. And then she's like, I can't even like recall it, but she asked me like if I pay with card or like in cash. And I just stared at her looking at my best friend, the, the, the person from Essex. And I was like, did she ask me for card or cash? Because I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and it's things like that, but as with every accent, you know, it's it's kind of this this thing of like getting used to it. Like obviously, if I hang around uh, my flatmates who are also foreigners and then speak English, I kind of like go more through with my my German English or like the German accent. But when I hang around with my best friend, I like she says when I'm around her, I talk posh. And I'm like... <laughs> it's not and something I, I want to hear. Uh... <laughs> And I'm like, do I? Do I? Oh my goodness. Um, but I guess it really depends, you know. Like, I guess if I would, uh, um, if I would uh, uh, hang around, like, you know, northern areas, like, because I went to York. Oh man, you're like, I'm, I'm biased when it comes to York and like northern accents. Like, chef's kiss. <laughs> Absolutely, um, totally with you there. Yeah. Um. Because I, I also went to York when the Viking festival was on. So, like, I had the pleasure to talk a lot uh, to a lot of, like, Viking uh, Viking people. And I was like, yes, I can, like, listen to you all day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really nice. And I think, it, yeah, it's super interesting. Because I also remember when I went to Cornwall um, to, I believe it's pronunciation, Tintagel. Is it? Is it like it's this little little um, place where the Arthur King Arthur Castle is? Yeah, t t it's spelled Tintagel, but I think they say Tintagel because it's Cornish or something. Yeah. So, yeah, and I remember we went there, 
and like there was this i think it was the guy in the bar or a souvenir shop or something and they pronounced it so differently i was like i can't even recall it how he did it it was something like tintagel or or something like that and i was like yeah. this is so interesting but i love it because i think and i think this is why such a language project is also so essential because as Mika just said, like we're, we're in Germany used to growing up with like, you know, American English. And mm -hmm. I think especially when it comes to like, or America or like the different parts in America, um, which for example, I had the pleasure with because my publisher is in Texas. So Amazing. I was like, do they really have that strong accent? had my first call and was like, yep, they do. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing because like, you know, that really also makes a difference when it comes to language. And I think it's also such a beautiful thing to explore uh, language in these kind of like different accents and like, let alone around the UK. Like I, have, I haven't even been to all of the places yet. Um, so it's really interesting to see how the accents uh, dif differ. Yeah, it's, it's really such an interesting one um like I it's, it's interesting you say about the accents as well like how you kind of sound more like southern when you talk to certain people and different because I noticed that a lot with my accents like talking to you guys now I've been more kind of like RP-ish but as soon as I talk to like some of my northern friends or like friends with like a bit more of a thicker accent I just go straight back into Yorkshire like me and Francine big love to Francine um she's from Manchester area and I always go straight Yorkshire whenever I talk to her because like surrounded by everyone who's like got quite a southern accent or quite a flat accent if they're you know um if like English isn't isn't their first language I find like a lot of you have like less of an accent or it's like and that's you know so I would get, do more kind of RP-ish but then as soon as I'm around her I'm like hey love you all right ducky oh it's well nice to see you yeah <laughs> it's such a like weird thing um yeah I find it absolutely fascinating I have to quickly ask though did you um when you were in York did you go to the Viking Museum yes I did I did <laughs> oh my god you're big so I actually so I used to go a lot with school and with family and stuff when I was little and I cannot go in because you know in the little ride bit that you go around yeah it smelled so bad that it used to make me feel really sick so like oh, I could... no. <laughs> so I'd always have like nightmares of having to go into it <laughs> I need to try that one out I've only been to York for like three hours because we were on a school trip from Germany and we just oh. stopped briefly for three hours because oh. it was on the way yeah and it's just like still my favorite town despite the fact I've only been there for three hours yeah, like yeah we just walked around outside we didn't have time really to do anything yeah, yeah. no go back it's amazing like I've been going there since I can remember because it's like where I live so I live like just in the Yorkshire boundary it's like the best kind of like it's like the biggest city near me other than like Middlesbrough and Newcastle which are like further north so we'd often go to York for like shopping and stuff and like around Christmas it's lovely and it's just such a nice place um but yeah Yorvik oh I can't go in I can't go <laughs> I refuse the smells too bad because you go in and there's like a little ride of like you see like all these like uh, I'm doing robot arms what they're called like animatronics like doing like oh this is how the Vikings lived and everything and you go in like a little cart round and like to like make it more atmospheric they've put in like sounds and like smells and it smells horrendous and it makes me feel very ill so I just refuse to go in <laughs> But you have to go once if you go back. Absolutely, I will change do that. Your <laughs> change your life. <laughs> okay. Um, 
So we've talked a little bit about like what you're kind of working on at the moment, Mika, but do you want to just um, take like, you know, um, I guess like take us back a little bit, like how did you um, like get into like teacher training and stuff like that? And like, you know, you do editing as well, like what sort of drew you into that? And like, have you always wanted to do that? Like just tell, tell us a bit more about yourself basically. <laughs> It's just I, I don't really know when this whole teacher thing started. The only yeah. thing is that everyone around me seems to remember that I never wanted to do anything else. And I never had this moment in my life where I was like, oh, I'm going to take this other job. It's like, I, I want to be a teacher. And oh, when God. people ask me why, I can't really say why. It's just, well, just because. Yeah. And then I have to have to actually think to come up with where I like. And I just enjoy it. You know, I like working yeah. with, with kids. And when you have history and English as subjects at, his, at university, your job options are, in my mind, limited. I'm probably wrong here, but because I've never informed myself on it. But, like, being a teacher is a safe way to go if you study history, if you're a historian. Mm. There's not that many job options out there. And being a, a teacher, you know, it's safe, mm -hmm. which is not my reason to do it. But, like, I have to come up with, like, these fake reasons why I'm doing it. Because apparently just saying just because is not acceptable. Um but yeah, that's sort of how I got into it. And I never really thought of anything else. The only thing I ever thought about doing briefly was actually being an editor, like professionally. Amazing. And I, and I looked into university courses and stuff and I thought about maybe I go to the Netherlands and study because that's not too far from where I grew up in Germany. Mm. And that, then I thought, no, this is such a sort of tight thing to get into. Like you need to know people, you need to sort of, you can't just waltz in there and be like hi I studied this give me a job while yeah. with teachers they like take you you know they're fine you don't have to know anyone <laughs> um and I always sort of wrote stories like I was told by teachers that they were a bit scared that my imagination would get too much that I would you know say goodbye to reality because I was I suppose as a teenager I was very well not mentally well and I just sort of escaped to all these places and I just started writing. I started doing stuff. There was a creative, like, uh, extracurricular at school. I went in, I went there and annoyed the teacher uh, quite a lot, I think. I think he wasn't there because I gave him, like, a new story every week to, like, read. And I think that's not what he had in mind when he started this um, activity thing. <laughs> well, whoopsies. Um, and I don't know. And then I just kept going with it as a hobby. And then I started university, you know, a very straightforward life path, really. You know, you finish school, you go to university and then you just that's the path you're on. I'm going to start teaching in November, hopefully, like actually full time then. And, you know, I'm done then. And yeah, I'm just on this path and I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I don't regret my decisions. I think it's the right decision. So, yeah, here I am. I'm just doing what I'm doing. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Like um we on another episode we actually talked a lot about like teaching and our experiences and like I've got like I mean I don't like I don't think teaching's for me but like I admire absolutely everybody who does do teaching because I think it can be such a rewarding job but also such a like difficult job like you know some like I remember some classrooms I'd be sat in and I'd just be like how what is happening like this is just awful no one's like listening and like I think if you can inspire like kids and inspire people and I think that's just such an amazing thing and like some of my teachers are oh, best people in the world like I'm still in touch with some of them I think they're brilliant and yeah like I just think it's it's so cool and like you talk so passionately about it like I can see why or hear why I hear why but you can, <laughs> can also see me I at the moment see, but... that is true yeah 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 <laughs> I can hear like and see like your passion for it so it absolutely makes sense and I guess I kind of understand a little bit as well with like 
in acting because people have always asked me like well why do you want to be an actor and I'm like because I want to be an actor like it's I've never thought about anything else like that's always what I've like wanted to do so I I completely like understand where you're coming from with that and it's such a it's such a great thing like you're passionate about it of course um yeah do they do this annoying thing where they like with us and being a teacher you like it's a professional thing to ask someone why are you doing it and you need to have a professional professional answer sort of at hand to explain to them because they expect you to have one and I'm just always lost when they ask do they do that as well with acting and stuff like force you to be like you have to have a reason for this you have to give a professional <laughs> answer here I'm like can't I just enjoy what I'm doing is that not enough isn't that yeah. how it should be I mean it's not so much with acting as such but it's more like if I'm applying for like day jobs as such they're like why do you want to work here and I'm like <laughs> um <laughs> I do I want money <laughs> yeah like, I mean you just know. be honest you just I mean you yeah. need you need money this is how this yeah. world works so you know absolutely I'd rather get it doing something I enjoy than, you know, having to squeeze out every hour and be like, oh, can I just go home, please? I don't want to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you're going to put in the work and the effort, like, what does it matter, your reasoning for being here, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how do you feel about um, this, Lola? Like, what, what are your kind of thoughts on this? <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, here I with the straightforward path, and there's Lola, who's basically <laughs> zigzagging through life. Um, I love the zigzagging part because yes, this is so true. Um, I'm absolutely on board with you two when it comes to like you know, uh, it shouldn't like there shouldn't be a plausible or reasonable answer as to the at the moment social standards of society when it comes to what you do because like society is just this 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 environment that constantly teaches us like yeah you have to do this in just that way and this is the way um i mean there's only one way as we know from the mandalorian but that's another way so please don't um, spoil me i haven't seen it yet <laughs> um, but um when it comes to like you know these society like society standard driven question i think people need to really start accepting that as long as we are happy with what we're doing, it is the way. Like for me, I like by now I fully stand by it, but it took me a long time to get to the point where it's actually like where I broke out of this like social construct of always fulfilling everyone else's desire about my own life. Cause yeah. it comes with this pressure of like, you know, you kind of like forced into this path or way that you that you're meant to do when in fact you really want to do something else like I remember back then when I was doing my editor course um it was this thing of like um also yeah if you want to do writing it needs to be something that uh has to be essential because otherwise what would you do with writing and that's so bullshit like that's <laughs> just stupid because as with every art you have so many aspects of what you can do with the essential keys like, let alone, like, if you think about writing, there's so much in many aspects. Like, you can do courses on storytelling, editing, songwriting. Like, there are so many aspects for writing, let alone. And it's really about the essential key of what you want to do. 
I don't regret what I did. Like with all the things that I've done, it come it came onto my path of like looking back now and I realized I had to do all these things to get the essential keys for what I'm doing now. And um, especially with the editing, for example, like I understood more than ever now how essential editing is when it comes to creating books and such, because I've all also been on the other side of like editing with text and mm. like how you can film things, how you can do things better. So like, even though I'm not part of like, the, I mean, I'm kind of part in the sense of like, I work with the editors hand in hand, but I'm not the core editor. But when it comes to like being an editor for friends, I do it as well. So I also really enjoy like reading my friends' work or other other work in that sense. So like, I think it's absolutely essential to say, you know, like, um, you know what, there is no bigger reason as long as I enjoy myself, you know, like as long as you stick to your own truth and to the own matter of fact of what you're doing and enjoy it, um, it's absolutely fine. And that can be a reason enough because, um, um, yeah, this society is often driven with like, you know, but there needs to be a purpose. Like, yeah. do you want to do do you want to have money out of this or do you want to have a business out of this or do you want to have this and sometimes it's just like like for example uh, I as I said like I split my hobbies now away from my work like obviously um with some of the things that we create in ref we also have a business side of of the things we do but the first essential key to everything that we do is being inspiration for other people and like getting that inspiration out or like uh spreading certain messages out and then comes about business part and everything else but for example i also have things that i just enjoy for the sake of enjoying it and that's for example is dancing um that's uh you know reading sometimes just yeah. enjoying stuff uh and stuff like that and that's totally okay and like i think that's more than fair and um yeah, there's nothing better than at the end of the day, a job that makes you happy for the rest of your life. You know, so many of us um, stay in a job until they are 60 something to get the least amount of uh, of uh, pension that we can get. And that's just, you know, that's actually very sad because um, I think a lot of people are just so afraid to take that step out of the, you know, social standard norm when it comes to like jobs and such. So I think it's absolutely uh it's actually a good thing that we get more and more people that actually want to go the the other way or like the opposite way and break out of the cycle because like I think like that we can also create a better future for everyone. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's it's such a important thing. Like I used to um, help out with youth theatre groups and I would like assist and do stuff. And I remember um, some of them would like ask me like you know, I really want to do drama at uni or I really want to do acting at uni or, and, but my mum wants me to do this or my dad feels I should do this. Like, what, what, what should I do? And I was like, well, personally, like I would want to do drama. Like I would like, that's what I want to do. Because if you, if you go down a path that you're not happy with or that you hate or take a course that you do not enjoy or think somebody think you should do it for the wrong reasons, then you're just going to hate it. And you're going to, you know be miserable and like and I, I think for me like I would rather like I'd rather like never ever earn a penny from acting but know that I've tried 100% of the time because that is what I want to do and like you know may it may never be a paid career for me but I know that I've done everything that I could and I think yeah like it's such a it's such a weird world isn't it that we're all just kind of pushed and pulled into these like situations and that's not a real job and ah, oh, but are you gonna make money from it it's like well life's not all about making money it's a unfortunately a big part of it but yeah absolutely it's 
Yeah, and it's quite sad because I can see it starting with the students I'm having and they're like nine, ten-ish when they come to our school and then they, when they're 18, they leave. And, you know, they can choose new subjects in between, you know, like a new language yeah. or something. And, for example, they have a choice between Latin and French and then you will have parents deciding it for them. And some argue in favour of French because that's actually something you can use and others are more academic, I suppose, and argue in favour of Latin. Or then you can choose art as an advanced course and then a lot of parents say no no take spanish because that will help you more later on in life and like but if they're good at art like if they can get a good grade and they enjoy this they should do that like even if the, the option was between art and history which is my subject i would still say well if you want to do art you do art i will not be mad at you for not coming to my class you know yeah. and i don't get parents i mean i get that they want the best for their kid but sometimes mm. you need to listen to figure out what that is and you don't know that always like you don't always know this is the best for you yeah you know, sometimes trust your kids even if they're 15 you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah no it's it's very true and I mean it's it's quite a, a daunting thing anyway for kids because I think you know there's so much pressure at such a like early age to like decide your career and you know we're all deciding what we want to do like you know my, my brother like took a law degree to be a solicitor and then didn't do that and then he took a computer gaming course instead like a few years later because he realized that actually he likes computer games and doesn't really like law that much and it's like such a like change and we're all still trying to figure it out and yeah like it's 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 a rough old world out there yeah and there's so many people in their mid-20s starting over so if you're 18 yeah. you don't know what to do don't panic I mean yeah I know people who are going to hit 30 soon and they still have no clue what's going on. They just roll with it. Yeah. You're going to be fine. So L don't worry. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So true. So, so true. And like, I feel like your 20s are for trying to find out who you are anyway. Like, you know, it's and beyond. Like, I don't think it ever really stops. Like, maybe the day I die, I'll be like, ah, oh, that's who I was. And then that'll be it. <laughs> My last words to you all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it on your on your uh, headstone. Is it headstone? It's headstone, yes, right? I yes. want to say gravestone, but that's a German translation. That sounds probably odd <laughs> to, to native speakers. So we call it a gravestone, literally. Yeah, we do. I mean, we. I wouldn't like. I feel like we call it gravestone as well. So I feel like really? that's fine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. I, yeah, I think maybe it's kind of evolved a bit. I think we use both interchangeably. We know exactly what you're talking about. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> not as weird as I thought then. No. Cool. Cool, cool. Absolutely not. <laughs> it is. It is so interesting though how things do like directly translate into into something else. Like it's such a interesting, yeah. I don't know. Cool. Um. So do you want to talk, uh, Mika, a little bit about um? I guess how you kind of became part of Rev Series and what your job as an editor and how you met Lola and how how the whirlwind adventure began. I always love how I always love asking this question because I'm like, how did you two meet? Like. It's <laughs> <laughs> Suppose as most stories with Lola start, uh, there's a medieval market and alcohol involved, I suppose. Because <laughs> um, we actually met through a mutual friend of ours, who's a fl my flatmate, actually. Um, and she knows Lola. And um, I don't know actually know how they know each other. Never asked. They, they, I just know that they're very good friends. And we, we there's this medieval market that's sort of always around Germany and they're traveling from town to town. And it's really enjoyable. And we always go, there's a friends group. And obviously it's not just our friends group, it's always then friends of friends coming along. Right. And this is actually the first time I encountered Lola. And I think that first day we, we talked, but we weren't like, because there's so many people there that you also know. 
you sort of talk, but not really. But like you acknowledge that they exist. And then I think it really kicked off when we were in England. I was uh, on my year abroad and Lola only was living there. And we went to Comic Con to MCM. Nice. Uh, and because the friend, the Mutra friend was there, Lola obviously also came and joined us. And that was just a time where we just started talking and realized where there's sort of a lot of in common, you know, writing, um, being nerds, you know, going to Comic Con to join that sort of <laughs> yeah. thing. And then we just decided to stay in touch. And then it just went from there. And Lola taught me about her book. And I was like, oh, cool. Oh, another writer. Yay. You know, what are you writing about? And, you know, it just goes from there. It's just, you know, it just you hit, you can't hit the brakes anymore. You know, yeah. it's just, I'm missing the English word here, but it just goes on on its own. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Such a... Oh, yeah, I just, I love how most of these answers revolve around drinking and some form of Comic-Con interaction. <laughs> I love this. I've only been to one Comic-Con and I did not drink, so I feel like I've missed a big side of this. <laughs> Good times. Good old times. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah I can can add up to this. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really started to develop more once we hit England together or like when we started uh, doing stuff more in England together. Um, and yeah, I remember the medieval market you mentioned and I also know what I did that day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just, yeah, I totally remember it. We didn't talk much. I acknowledge you. Um, because I was mostly hanging with our friend Ella that day and I believe her friend Pilsy, I think it was. I believe so. I remember that I was running around inspired with the with stuff from uh, Floki from Viking. Yeah, I and I think I was a bit weirded out. Like, not in a negative way, but in like an intimidated way. Yeah, because like, okay, one of the things I did was I, like, I just really interacted in a way that Floki also did in the TV show, so I started talking to trees and such. <laughs> Classic Lola. <laughs> and at some point, I remember that Ella was just like, if she's doing it again, I'm not going to talk to her for the rest of the day. Because I just kept on, like, I, I felt myself that day. I had a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, and, I, and then yeah Mika went went to England and then we just picked it up from there and I I rem yeah definitely Mika has been one of the first people that also like joined the group um as like second editor because before that it was just Craig and that was with the very first book so um shortly after Craig had done the first editorial run when we were in the process of publishing it for the first time Mika came in to also help uh, out on the process. And that's where we went from there. So like Mika is one of the early early people that helped on the process of like the very first version of Ref. And yeah, it's also like the, the cool thing or like what I really cherish about Mika and me is um, it's this deep writing friendship. Like I, I obviously know a couple of people that are uh, also in the writing scene, but when, when I talk to Mika, it feels like, you know, actually we have met like at least two lifetimes before and like we have this, like Aww. we literally like, uh, okay, so Discord, Discord meeting today. Okay, let's talk about editing. And then like we talk like one hour about the editing process and the other three hours are just us talking about writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really enjoy that because yeah, it's, it's, you know, um, 
I enjoy every creative talk I have with people, but it's different when you talk with a with a fellow writer. And because Mika and I, um, we do have the same interests in certain writers, but at the same time, we also have such difference in taste. And I really enjoy that because especially uh, when it comes to that, Mika often has like, um, sometimes it's just, you know, like a recommendation of, an, of a new author or like generally the recommendation of like new things that I haven't read yet or haven't known. And same from the other side. So it's really this nice exchange of like back and forth, back and forth. And I really enjoy that because, yeah, it's, I think sometimes it's also really hard to get so close to certain writers because like obviously you can get like a lot of advice these days, a lot of workshops, a lot of stuff like that. But to have this like closer insight and then also to look like critically at things when it comes to writing these days is also so interesting because I remember that Mika was one of the first people I spoke to about some uh, descriptions with like skin color and everything because I was really starting to think about certain things and I was like so how do you write that in your book yeah. because I'm really unsure right now and um, yeah it's really nice because like it always gives me some reassurance when it comes to like um, certain writing conflicts and points and it's really nice because like obviously having an editor on one side is one thing but also having an editor who's also a writer there's just like this whole bundle of like you know um sometimes when it goes like about the story part and the the story organization or something we can just talk about that or we can just talk about the editing or we can just talk about you know like language or description and stuff like that so it's really nice to um to have that kind of sense and also what i really enjoy is because everything that i'm learning on the process uh, i can give away for mika as well because listen world you need to read Mika's books in the future because I made to write them. Coming. So yeah, that's that's another thing. Like I'm I'm always happy with like um, reading the stuff of my friends and and st uh, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a really nice support network that you that you have and you can trust people to be honest, but also like and also it's just sometimes it's really nice to bounce ideas off people who are like minded and, you know, can support you and not judge you. And if, if they make a, I guess, a criticism, it's constructive. It's not them slagging you off. And because, you know, write, writing is so personal, isn't it? It feels like here's my soul. <laughs> <laughs> treat it well um so like yeah absolutely do you want to talk Mika, a bit about your writing and your work because obviously now we definitely want to read these novels in the future well, uh, I, I, I could try like, what, what sort of like genres do you like is it is it similar to rev series in any way and like yeah well, in, in terms of genres i suppose if you look at my shelf where's a ton of there's tons of books on there we don't talk about my tbr <laughs> but it's mostly just any kind of fantasy so I mean, I come basically from this, I love Tolkien, I love Lord of the Rings sort of area. And then you spread from there, you have high fantasy, you have urban fantasy, you have dark fantasy, you have young adult fantasy, which is vastly different. Uh, and it's just anything fantasy. It's not like I don't read other things. I do enjoy well-researched historical fiction. I do enjoy a good thriller. But usually I pick up fantasy just because yeah. I need this sort of escape thing, you know, yeah. this magic stuff. And, you know, I don't need to read about everyday life because I have that sounds mm. maybe I understand people who enjoy that too like my mum for example but it's not for me and I'm not into just it's just about the romance you know sometimes I read contemporary romances but then they have to be like queer so then I read them but like if, if they're you know if they're not and I'm not really well I have this around me all the time so I don't need to read that so in terms of my own writing I've gone into fantasy as well so I'm trying to 
I'm still building a world of my own, so I'm going into this high fantasy uh, thing, and I'm just trying to tell this massive story. And I'm trying to sort of, it's a bit like with teaching, of this massive subject, and you have to sort of reduce it, to, to hand it over to your learners, to the reader. And it's really not going that great because, like, I have to redu- I have to cut so much stuff, and it- nah, I'm not really good at that. I, I want to keep <laughs> everything in it. Uh, so I've been working on this for I don't know how long, and it's not really making much progress because I keep trying new techniques. And uh, yeah, I have finished the first hundred pages, sort of. Uh, so that's okay-ish. But I'm the kind of person who always goes back and edits before I've got a finished draft, and that's sort of. Don't do that, people. Please don't, because that will stop you from finishing your draft. I've been here for like seven years and I have not gone past the 100 page mark. So, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, it, it can be so hard, though, because you're you're your own worst critic, though, aren't you? Because like mm. I write like um, sketches and like scripts and stuff. And like I've like written something. I'm like, oh, that's garbage. Go back to the top, like rewrite that. Like And yeah, you can really get like wrapped up in like thinking that actually you need to like keep editing it and stuff and I guess as well because um one of my friends Rian um she's amazing she's um like writing um books and stuff and she often talks to me about like um the world she's creating and I think sometimes you get so like kind of immersed in your own world and you kind of you know all the laws but you kind of like how do I then put it onto the paper and explain it to other people because I understand it but it can be so hard to be like this means this without like I don't know it becoming like like almost like a dictionary or like a like an informative book about this world um it's like the info dumps that authors tend to do when they write fantasy yeah that everyone tells you not to do but you need to do at some point yeah (laughs) but I mean like you know you you mentioned like Tolkien like I know there's loads of like kind of like um add-on books that like explain more about the world as well so like that aren't necessarily in the main books and like you know so it's it can be that it becomes this huge thing of many books then yeah it's such a yeah um Lola talk talk to us a bit about Rev and um that kind of like world building that would be so world building (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's super interesting because I think my my peak essence of world building has only happened in the second process of republishing it because Mm -hmm. I guess when I first brought out Ref, I had this very basic scratch idea of what I wanted to tell people. And when I came back, I was like, it's been a year and we're here again. We have a new publisher. So this time you need to step into the light about your own work and the world that you want to show to people. Mm-hmm. And first of all, that was super scary. Yeah. I was like, yeah, but what if like people don't enjoy this world? So like this was the first thought I, that I really came up with because you know like especially in fantasy like there as Mika just mentioned you have so many layers of fantasy. So like first of all it was really like what kind of fantasy do I want to create to like have the essence for the reader to understand the world that we live in? And like I guess urban and dark was kind of like it was like is it going to be dark or is it going to be urban? Like I always excluded the other fantasies in a way beforehand as well. Um, I guess that's just the thing of like, you know, for, for like high fantasy or um, I was always like, mm, no, I think it's too, too modern in a sense of like what I want to create. So I was just like, okay, let, let's go from there. And then 
I had a big tendency to go really dark. And then I was like, <laughs> oh, man, okay, stop the horror right there. Um, because I enjoy horror a lot. And with certain elements, you can definitely feel the horror that I'm bringing up within or I'm like I always like to call it subtly um, urban horror fantasy rather than just urban fantasy mm-hmm. because not only because of the monsters but you know horror has many layers <clears throat> in the sense and like it's not al- always about like you know the monster that's lurking in the shadows but also the reality horrors that these characters have to face and um, <clears throat> yeah when I started the second uh, like process with the publisher I was like okay so like because the thing is what's so what was so insane for me was like I applied with the like first first draft and they were so amazed by it so I was like okay someone who likes that stuff that I built that was so like unfinished with what I started we really need to go deeper and I think this is the essential key to world building you have to go really deep yeah. Not about the description in the books itself, but you for yourself. You need to go as detailed as you want it to be. Because, like, as I said, like, it doesn't matter that you mention all the details, or like, as as you just mentioned, with like, you know, Tolkien has basic. Tolkien has this the style of. Um, I only can speak for the Hobbit. I haven't like. <laughs> this is my this is my uh, problem with that like this that's a personal thing like I want to read Lord of the Rings and all of that but I'm so conflicted with what book have I want because there have been like 20 versions out there Mm. so I'm literally stuck with like okay I need to like make myself up at some point about like which which collection I want to collect because yeah but I've I've, uh, I started with picking up some extra books of his you know, because, like, all these, like, world-building books, obviously. Um, so, coming back to that. Um, so, I was really, like, okay, so how are we going to do this? And, like, for a long time, I really struggled to find, like, a, an app that helps you to, like, kind of go into the creative world-building side. And, like, there are so many out there. So, I constantly tried with different apps to, like, you know, set the characters, set the name, set all of that. And this, like, this went with me, like, jumping to, like, 10 apps within, like, <laughs> okay, no, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. And, like, then I really realized that the medium, the phone itself, wasn't just for me. So, because um, I've always been kind of, like, the notebook person, the one that works more with the laptop rather than just, like, you know, having it always on your phone. Yeah. And, um, yeah, then, like, when we came to, this, to the second publisher, um, I was just, like... Oh, okay like there's so many unanswered questions so what I did then and this is also something that happened in this in the editorial process with the publisher which we now um, finished um you really need to go into to all sorts of inspiration like this is the essential key that I think helps everyone with world building um I have this book called um what's it called uh, find your voice um it's from the author that also wrote um oh, what's the movie called i don't know she 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 the movie is very good and the book is very good as well but names <laughs> 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 again um so yeah it's 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 this book called uh, find your voice and it really guides you through like you know how to set up a world building how to set up characters and stuff and like this is where I really started to dive in. And it's super interesting because before I even went to the second publisher, I made a list of um, the characters and their zodiacs. And it's super interesting because 
most of the characters have stuck to their zodiacs and how how I write them. But all of the like the the family Lancasters, apart from Killian, have changed their zodiacs. <laughs> <laughs> In the sense of like. I really started to understand them. And, you know, it's, it's things like that, whether it's Zodiacs or favorite colors or uh, what what they listen to, what they do in their free time. It's things like that are really help you to, to start with the world building. And then obviously, if you, if you go away from the characters and just to the city and the environment, you really start thinking of like, OK, um, what flair, what, em- what emotions do I feel when I'm in this part of the city or like what kind of people am I going to see and stuff like that. And like at the beginning, I was so driven about like, you know, the equivalent to London rather than making it my complete own thing. Yeah. And since I started making my complete own thing, the environment and the world has really grown on me. Like by now I have planned out all the countries and um, the whole world map, the system, where it started off and stuff like that. And I believe that world building is something that never really stops. So, like, for example, at some point or to a certain extent, you will always have that world finished within the books or, like, the way you describe it in the books. But beyond that, I don't think it ever really stops because, you know, at some point, like, if someone asks you, like, so, but how was the world when Killian and Lancaster, uh, when Killian and Jago were just children, you know? What, what was it like then? Like, what, what's, the, what's the timeline? How have they been there? Or what was it like 200, 300 years ago? Like, there will always be extended questions to that. Mm. It's just for you important that you find that essential essence of the world and how the structure works and stuff like that. And that's really where you can go from there. But it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely been a journey. I would say I'm like 80 person where I want to be with like the world building and such. Like, I'm always 100 person. In, in the way of like the way I portrayed in the books but obviously when it comes to like the website content or like the content that's going to be extra in the future and stuff there's always more that you can like explain and stuff and I think the also essential key is like the moment you put a book out there listen to the people that are reading it mm-hmm. because you won't have always all the answers um it's um we can cut it out later but I'm saying like there's this author and she always apparently has these answers ready when someone asks her um, (laughs) about stuff so um, I think yeah you know like the thing is obviously um, to a certain extent you might have thought about certain characters aspects and stuff like that but I think it's also okay to say like at that time where I've been writing this book I haven't thought about it so thank you for giving me this input or thank you for giving me your because this is where you kind of like extend and start to build your uh build your world and i think like one of the amazing examples is rick riordan i have to mention him again because he is really good with listening to what the people want or like how the people see certain aspects and and he's a children book author with i Mm. which i think is even more amazing because obviously um writing for children is also different rather than for um for uh people that like, for example, that probably read rap and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think it's kind of like the essence of, like, you know, knowing where you stand in your world and then also being open to input from the outside world. And I think what the great thing about rap is also, like, we're going to extend it in so many beyond ways that people actually get to be part of this world and create it for their own. Like, there will be so much content out that people can really like, you know, dive into, whether it's also like with the pen and paper that is coming up and, and stuff like that. So it's really about like, you know, 
diving into that world and you know uh, especially since everyone is going to ask different questions like um for example what isn't important to me maybe like let's say currency or something might be totally interesting for someone else so like it's really like finding the nice balance between uh what you want to what you where you want to stand but also like being open to the input from the outside yeah no i com completely i think that's really fair and i think it's i think there's um you know something really um amazing when authors and like, artists and stuff listen to their fans and really consider and take that because i guess you know with without the book without the fans the book wouldn't do as well but without the book the fans wouldn't be there there's like a you know a joint relationship you're all kind of part of the world whether you're a fan whether you're an editor whether you're the writer so that it makes sense that obviously like we're not going to be like fans write the new book for us but like <laughs> but like obviously it's you know it is almost part of their world as well um which is really cool and I think you know like with I mean I know before you mentioned that it's really important that the person loves the world and like I I do agree to an extent however Hunger Games I do not like that world I will not <laughs> Like, I do not want to live in the Hunger Games. Well, I mean, it's a dystopia. I think you're not supposed to like it, is it? No, true. I'm just joking. <laughs> I just had, I'm just saying, actually, a class on that at university because we have to teach dystopias um, to our seniors. It's like it's a set topic. And then we have to always have to discuss which dystopia will we teach and why we chose yeah. a dystopia. Like, we, I always have to justify what I'm teaching. And we're talking in this course about why we should use YA dystopias because there's a lot of them out there because they're meant for our students' age group. Yeah. So we should maybe teach those instead of the old classics. And there's this big argument going on versus classics versus young adult. And I think classics can teach you some stuff, but I think for, for students, just the young adult is more accessible. They can learn, take more away from that. That's yeah. my personal opinion, and there's a lot of professionals disagreeing with me, but I mean, we're talking about 17-year-olds here who might not even enjoy reading. Yeah. And I don't think if I don't enjoy reading, I want to pick up a classic. I might be okay with The Hunger Games, because at worst, they've just watched the movie, but at least then they yeah. have engaged with the material, you know? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um yeah, there's some classics I'm just like, oh my goodness, like, oh, Dickens, don't even get me started. <laughs> I just find him so boring and miserable. <laughs> I just... I was, the, oh. the one issue with classics is that a lot of the authors that are sort of, that we say are classics, you know, there's this issue of white people deciding who what are classics. And there's <laughs> a lot of white authors that are being considered classics. Not that they're bad, like I don't want to bash anyone. But I think that if there had been other options, they would have lost sort of the competition. And I think that they're only up there because they've always been up there and no one's actually trying to reform sort of yeah. what is considered classics. I mean, obviously, we won't push Shakespeare out of that. I mean, I can agree with Shakespeare. There's no, no <laughs> issues. When I think about authors like Hemingway, I think we, we could find better alternatives to that. And yeah, absolutely. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of the classics like Shakespeare, for example, it, you can translate it to a modern audience and the people can still get it and still love it and appreciate it. But like a lot of, a lot of the classics have dated, they've aged, like, you know, I think, I think if you're doing like a comparison or something, um, you know, then fair enough. But if it's like, this is what's happening now, relate to it. 
it's hard to do that and you know I think a lot of a lot of like um I guess the classic authors as well will spend pages upon pages about describing a, a bedroom and I'm like <laughs> I want to know what you're doing in the bedroom I don't I don't really care that this person has floral sheets I'm sure that will say something about the character but I also want to know if they're going to murder their wife or not like <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what classic I'm talking about. That was just the first thing I improvised that came to my head. But like, yeah, I just think sometimes it's a bit much. And yeah, for for seventeen year olds, they don't they don't unless they really love literature, they don't really care about I don't know um, Oliver wanting more porridge or whatever it is. They just don't care. They want exciting books like like a mass Hunger Games. I guess. I mean, no one wants that, but you know what I mean. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can always do both. Like, I obviously, I, I have this sort of responsibility to have them engage with some sort of classic literature because yeah. it's part of culture and we also do cultural teaching. Mm. And considering that the Anglophone world is so massive, it, it's a little difficult. So usually our, the go-to that is set is Shakespeare. You have to teach Shakespeare. Nice. But where you go from there, I mean, I can always pick, you know, post-colonial literature if I wanted something more diverse and something that is not you know, your mainstream, white, boring, I don't know, hero complex stuff that's going on. But like something that has not been talked about a lot and that needs more attention. Because some of these novels or books are so old, but despite the fact that they're so old, they're not really up there. Yeah. So it's a bit weird, I suppose. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, completely. Um, Lola, do you have anything you'd like to add to that? I remember we went uh, to classics discussion the we other did. episode. We did, actually, um, yeah. So, yeah, I can agree. The thing is, like, I think it's also the way you teach things, you know. Like, um, for example, in Germany, we have, the, as I mentioned before, we have this three-class system. And unless you're in the gymnasium, sometimes you don't really get the chance to even deal with certain classics. Like, right. it's, it's, I think it's weird because, like, I think Shakespeare can be taught to anyone if you just measure it in into a certain extent. So like there's no excuse to say like oh only the higher class can do like certain classics and stuff. And that's the same thing with everything. Like I think if you want to teach a certain classic then get the key essence of what this yeah. classic is about and make it available for everyone to understand and get something from it. Like if you if you just stick with the old way of like you know like just reading it out, going chapter by chapter. What does that mean? What does this mean? Let's do a presentation, everyone. Everyone find their partner for a present group presentation and stuff like that. It's, also, it's, the author said, the author does not matter. That's the first thing you learn at university when you take literature. The author's dead. Because now the story is out there and you as the reader, it's your interpretation. The author might have intended something completely different, but yeah. if it's there in the text, it's there, and you can't argue that away just because the author said, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> and yes. that's the T. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, the yes. curtains were blue. That stands for the character's depression. Well, maybe the author meant that the curtains were just blue, but okay, let's go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly like that. And I think it's also like, you know, uh, I think that also agrees to... Um, it's an interesting intake... I do agree to it. I think the only point where it gets critical is when it comes to shipping of characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see where you come from. 
But um, I would always say just to like, ignore it if if it's not like just say, well, I wouldn't ship them, but, but you I, do I you. Want to, I wanted to say that also interferes into a different topic of like you know uh, the the general like shipping of characters and shipping wars and all of that extension into a sense. I guess the overall essence is absolutely true with the you know the author maybe just thought it's blue. But for you, blue means this, this, and this. So like, it's it's really your, it's kind of your playground as well, you know, like what you take from it. Like some people like, and that's, I think that's super interesting because um, I have read books where afterwards I was like, you know, I've read this and um, that's it. Like that that's, that's my intake on this book. And then I had books where I'm like, oh my God, you need to read this book because this is so good. And um, so it's like, I think that's so, super interesting, you know, and like um, it's it's really the magic of like word feeling as well and to see where where everything can take from it. And yeah, as a, like coming back to the essence of like classics and such, I think it's kind of like the alignment with the teacher as well. Like obviously a teacher who kind of like has taught this for 20 years in the same way over and over and over again won't most likely not inspire their 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 students to a certain extent of like, this is going to be so amazing because this, this, and this. Um, and no one is really going to take something away from it. But if you take, for example, the essence, like especially with Shakespeare, like Shakespeare has been formed into so many different mediums, like uh, films, movies, plays, and stuff like that. So like you can always extend it to a thing like, okay, we're going to do Hamlet. Um, let's do uh like we're gonna go through this book and then we're gonna do this kind of work this kind of work and at the end of this lesson we're gonna watch the theater play and you know stuff like that so you kind of like have a mixture of a different different task work and then also like if if you have a really cool teacher he they also take you to the to the theater and stuff yeah. like that to have like this this visual visualization of um what you've been actually seeing yeah with, no yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think as well, it, it's like when you we're talking about the way it's taught as well. Um, I remember a, a friend of a friend was telling me um, she's a teacher and um, she um, I think she was I think she was primarily a drama teacher, but they had like roped into just primarily doing English. So she was like, OK, fine. Um, but they like asked her to teach Romeo and Juliet. So she was like, can I book out the drama room? And they were like, why? And she was like, it's it's a play. It, it's performed I want the kids to perform it and experience it and they'll learn by doing it and they were like no it's just it's just a waste of time like you can just do it in your classroom you can just read it and I'm like god a play is not meant to be read it's meant to be either performed or watched literally which is it's probably quite bad for me as an actor because I don't read a lot of plays partly because it's so expensive to like get your hands on plays actually if anyone knows of any way to do it cheaply please let me know because I would love that but it can be quite expensive and sometimes you read a play once and that's it but I love going to see them because I think you see exactly someone's vision like I'm not a big fan of Chekhov I just think I just I just Oh, I don't care. I don't care about the seagull. I don't care about the cherry. Like I just <laughs> sorry. sorry if I'm hurting anyone right now. I just don't care. I just I just don't care. But I I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it because I feel like somebody else could probably bring out of the text something that they love and can 
make it accessible to me so I think that sometimes just seeing it is so much better and like I've seen plays and then gone this is amazing and then bought it and read it because I've gone this is incredible I love this production let's do it so yeah like you just gotta I guess meet your target audience of of how to teach it as well as yeah absolutely yeah I feel like I had another point but I obviously don't <laughs> um do you want to just quickly talk about I guess um your um process as as rev series editor like how does it work with like do you so for like you Lola do you send it to Mika and Craig separately do you send certain bits to Mika because you know that Mika will like like this bit like how does how does that work um either of you can answer that first if you want (laughs) Um, just a second yes Thank you. Um, so usually what happens is, um, so with a lot, like the very first publishing, it was um, that we, um, so before Mika jumped in, there was just Craig. So it was just Craig editing stuff. And then Mika came in right before we sent in the script, I believe. Um, so like before we sent the finalization, because I remember at that time, Craig was also... I believe busy with the job so he was kind of like he couldn't get it as fast done or something like that right. and then Mika got in and I think yeah like the first process was just very quick in a sense of um, just sending it out and so what usually happens nowadays or like because we extended the um, editing team so much now mm-hmm. so I've got Mika, Craig, Kimchi and Jesse and Mephi now which is amazing because I think it's also essential for like the editing team um, to have certain aspects on or like mm-hmm. perspectives because especially um, even for an editor you know when they read the stuff like over and over again and like with me as well like I said it before I kind of acknowledge editing better now but <laughs> also kind of my pet peeve on like <laughs> You know, reading it again and again and again. Um, but I guess it's also because, like, I've been in this process of the first novel for... If we come with with the, with the complete way how it developed, it goes back until four years. So it's kind of this thing of, like, you know, I've been here for such a long time and, like, I'm really impatient and I want to get it out and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but the way it works now is so... Um, I basically first always check their schedules, like uh, what's going on in their life at the moment. And then I kind of decide who I'm working with next. So, for example, with the with the German version of um, Melancholy Vision, we have it at the moment that um, Kimchi is doing the translation and at the same time also kind of the grammar. And then Jesse goes into the first draft editing. So Jesse corrects the first things because like, what usually happens is before I send it to Mika is I go through the basic grammar. So yeah. like that, I cut out the very basic uh, grammar points with one of my language tools that I have. And then it goes to Mika and then we go from there with to the editing. Um, so with this process, it's, um, it's into Kimchi's hands. I send it then to Jesse. Jesse does the first like grammar bits and, and stuff like that. And then it goes to me and I'll double check with Jesse's spelling and stuff. And then it goes like the next step is now that Mika 
Macy, Jesse, Kimchi and I, we come together and we kind of go into the discussion of like, okay, what's going to happen next? How are we going to do this? With the English process, it's kind of similar because um, what I usually do is, so the very first draft gets written by me. I throw it into the to the grammar thing. So that already is basically the second draft because it has the first radiation of like grammar mistakes. Then it goes to Mika, which is then the after Mika's correction, the third draft. Then it comes back to me. And that's the first thing of like, that's not extremely the editorial part. It's also more the like, you, you know, the correcting and comments and stuff. Then I'll do that. Then we come together for a discussion, discuss certain things and aspects. And then it goes from there into, um, is it the fourth or the fifth? I believe it's the fourth draft. So after our discussion, we come into the fourth draft. And, and that's basically when we discuss certain aspects so that, for example, I can extend certain scenes, that I can write new scenes, that I can think of some aspects, how I want to like write certain certain characters and stuff like that, or like what the situation is. So then it goes into the fifth draft and then usually I send it back to Mika again and then Mika goes it back, gives it back to me, which is then the sixth draft and then it goes to the publisher. So that's the and then it goes into the editorial of the publisher, which we did now. So like the sixth draft got into editorial, got back to me. It's the seventh draft. Then again into editorial, got back to me eighth draft. And then it goes into proofreading, which is then the ninth draft, which is kind of like the just final finalization of the publishing. And when it's finished, that's the tenth draft. And that's where we go into the book publishing. That's how I've handled it. So like the very first draft is basically just something that you, the the um, editing team sees um, before mm. it even goes into the book and stuff. But it really depends on the story, you know. Like I believe that with the other books, there might be also some in between stages as well, because you know, the deeper the story goes, there might be some some scenes and stuff where it's like maybe you should think about this a few days and stuff like that. And then obviously we're lucky to have a publisher now. So on the English side, we're on set on that. So on the German side, it's going to be a bit different. Like we're going to have, I believe by the end, when we discuss things through, we also have like around about 10 drafts before it goes into, into the print version. But the different thing with the German thing is that we're doing it on our own. Like we're doing it completely with ref and not wow. with the, we could technically take like with the publisher that we are at the moment, um, we could also receive another professional advice, mm. but being a strong, strong foundation with like, basically four, four German editors plus myself uh, as a native German speaker. <laughs> I strongly believe that we are all together capable of um, doing this stuff because, you know, like uh, Mika is actually very professional when it comes to editing. Uh, Jesse is actually actually uh, a learned editor. Um, Mifi is also very good with grammar, as we mentioned it before and stuff. So like, it's not like I'm just randomly picking these people because they are my friends. <laughs> it's actually because, you know, they, they are trained in, in the subject of editing and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's so like, and this is kind of like also the longest process, I believe, because like with, with the creative team, it, like with the creative process of designing and stuff, it usually goes much faster. Mm -hmm. So like the longest process is really the writing and the editing together. Nice. Oh, amazing. So listeners, if you thought that Lola just like whacked out one draft and that was <laughs> it, you were very mistaken. 10 drafts, that's insane. That's amazing. That is 
Gosh, I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just because I'm I am host of this podcast, and that is where my um that is my my job for web series. So maybe I've just like just thought, oh yeah, they just get together, have a little look. Ah, oh, this is lovely. But no, there's so much like amazing. I mean, I didn't doubt anyone's work. I just want to point that out. I just didn't realize, I guess, the extensive work that you all do. Like, it's it's insane. Like. I mean, uh, Mika, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, usually I get the whole thing in chunks, so I don't get the full uh, script, which is good for me, because then I just Mm. see there's like 250 pages in Word, and that's kind of demotivating, because I have to correct all of this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I usually get it in like 50 to 60 pages, chunks, Mm -hmm. and then I just work myself through it. And usually I take at least a whole weekend to go through, through a draft, uh, and what I do usually is, I mean, we, we use Word and they have this sort of tool where uh, Lola can see what I changed. So it shows her what I changed and I can add comments. And then usually that's what I do. I've actually moved away sort of from being too much on language to more on content and plot. And does right. it make sense? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm also not a native speaker of English. I, I know I've studied it. I know I'm a teacher. But there's still only so much I can do as a native German speaker with the right. English language. Like, I don't have the same level of command of the English language as probably a native English uh, person would do if they were to edit. So there's some things that I don't see. So I've, you know, made my peace with that. And then I've just like, yes, but I can still look at, okay, how does the world building, is that make, does that make sense? Are there any logical mistakes? Yeah. Is there any sort of odd pacing, you know, stuff like that where you... Because the, the writer, and I have that with my own writing, you've read it so many times that you have tunnel vision and you need someone from the outside to help you sort of see other things because you've read it so many times and then you might think, oh, this makes total sense. And then someone has to point out to you, actually, I don't get what you're saying here. I have mm-hmm. no clue where we are because you are reading it for, you're reading it for the first time. And yeah, that's a danger, I think, of being an editor because if you get like the sixth, seventh draft, You've already also read it quite a few times and you need yeah. to be careful not to slide into the same habits to get tunnel vision. But yeah, it's, it's rather unspectacular, I suppose, in case anyone <laughs> thought that was, no, I just get a word file and then I just correct it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such an amazing, amazing process. Um, yeah, like we, I guess we kind of do it a bit in like um, with acting and stuff. Like if we're putting on a play... And we've rehearsed so many times. Like I often will be like, friends, come and see it for free and just give us some feedback. Because obviously, like especially at uni, we used to like devise a lot of our own work. So we would be like, oh, we've got this cool concept about this. And everyone would be like, what? I don't understand what you're trying to do. And I'm like, well, obviously it's in depth and this. And yeah, so it's it's such a, a valuable thing to do. And it's really good that if you've got that like eye to see those things and... Yeah, I'm just, to be honest, I'm just always so in awe when it's not anyone's first, like, language and they're trying to, like, edit or write something or speak it. And, you know, it's, it's like, incredible because, I mean, I'm, I'm like, what, I'm the worst because I only speak and read English. I know, like, a tiny bit of French. So, like, for me, it's just incredible that, you know, you say that your, like, grammar might not be amazing, but, like, I mean, it's, it's better than a lot of people I've seen who's... <laughs> English is their only language that they write in as well so like yeah I I don't think you should ever beat yourself up for that because I think I think you're all amazing for doing it and yeah I'm just a big fan big fan of your work (laughs) amazing um 
do you do you, either of you have anything more you want to um i guess add to that or say about editing or rev series or what you love about rev series or um to anyone who's not read it what what more they've got in store do you want to go shall i go <laughs> you go first <laughs> So I was like preparing for another monologue. I can feel it. <laughs> so suppose for first readers, and I think it's also something I've been guilty of in the past, that if you read a debut novel, you have to sort of make yourself aware that it's a debut novel. Like, you're not, like it's not Stephen King, where it's like the 50th bloody book in two years that, you know, is out. So you have to sort of make yourself aware, okay, this is a debut novel. So it's always this point where authors need a chance. You know, you need to give people a chance to evolve and get out there. So just read it and sort of try to switch off this judgmental thing that we all have because we're so used to reading, I don't know, even Tolkien or something. This is like super upper level polished something. And the majority of authors are not there. I mean, I've, I've re if you read a lot of young adult you will find that in so many stuff where you, at first you're like, hmm, but then it gets, you know, it, and it starts rolling and rolling. And then you're like, yes. So like sort of free yourself from expectations because <laughs> expectations ruin things. I've, 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 I've been guilty of that so many times. Expectations ruin things. But if you have expectations, what, what you expect is a diverse cast of characters and as unique as world building can get. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, everything's been done. Yeah, but you can still have this extra little bit of spice. Well, it's not spices, and you know, but <laughs> this extra little bit of what's new. Um, so yeah, diverse cast. It is different. Like, obviously, will remind you of some other urban fantasy, but it's still new because it's still it takes it in a different direction, and especially the horror elements are much stronger mm. than in other urban fantasy. So it's more adultish. Like I would probably go towards new adult in terms of genre because it's not young adult. Definitely not. It's no. <laughs> Lola is a bit too dark for that. But yeah, just expect something that's sort of fresh and new and that you you need to sort of engage with it. Like you can't just, this is not something you just pick up and you just, it's brain dead entertainment. That's not what this is. You need yeah. sort of, you need to let yourself get into it. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, no, absolutely. And to be honest, for me, like, if I, for me, it's all, it's always about characters. Like, I'm very, like, character-centric. And if there is a character that I love, Killian, um, then I will, like, be with you to the end. Like, if there's, like, characters that I love and will ship and, like, yeah, I'm just, like, completely on board. And <laughs> it's so funny that you say this isn't young adults. This might be the oldest book I've ever read because I, like, exclusively read young adult. Um <laughs> um so <laughs> no I've read older books I promise <laughs> um but yeah no I think I think that's a really fair assumption and I don't know like whenever I maybe it's just me but whenever I read a book I'm never going oh I want this to be the worst book in the world oh the worst like I want to enjoy it like I'm I'm looking for things to enjoy it and yeah like I, I can't imagine ever going in with a negative mindset of a book. Maybe that's just me. Um, anyway, Lola, please um, add on to please add on to that if you if you can. I'm sure you can. <laughs> yeah. Um, first of all, thank you so much for hearing these words. It's very um, making me very feel warm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and adding to that, yeah, it's it's absolutely something um, to to run it up. Um, 
I believe that the people who want to find their own magic and inspiration in a ref, they will be able to find it. And if it's not for you, then that's also okay. And uh, I still appreciate that you take the time to, uh, you know, uh, read the book or like um, gave it a time and, and things like that. For the people that are diving into the magic and like finding their own magic within ref, I am absolutely happy if that gives you somewhat inspiration in life. Um, and I do believe that the people who understand the message they will look beyond the you know like shallow standards of certain um <laughs> things that have been out there before because yeah you can't invent the wheel new but you can um create your own 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 wheel in a sense of like um obviously certain aspects and inspiration has always been out there like um if you look back to the very 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 first beginnings on when things have been written you know a lot comes from like for example greek mythology and uh, stuff like that. So uh, the wheel has always been out there, but I think, and I believe that everyone is capable, if they want to tell stories, to create their own worlds and tell their own stories. And I do believe that the people who want to dive into these worlds and stories, they will find their way into that. And um, I'm, yeah, I'm very happy to um, to give people a chance to like, you know, dive into that. And as Mika mentioned it, that it, ref really is something that um, I hope makes the reader think and um, is something that, you know, just, you just don't put this away and think like, oh, this was, you know, like nice or something like that. I mean, it might be for some people, as I said, like, and that's also mm -hmm. totally, totally okay. You know, sometimes uh, I guess that's also a, a taste of genre, you know, someone who most likely read crime stories might not like or enjoy ref as much as someone who reads uh, fantasy a lot. Yeah, um, so uh, I guess there is a certain type of reader to it, but then at the same time, um, yeah, for I do believe that, yeah, the people that dive into that magic, they will also think about certain aspect things, characters, you know, and I think that's also the great part of the diversity that everyone kind of like has their own portrayal in that story because, yeah, diversity is a diversity is a big thing for me when it comes to ref and um, I hope that a lot of people um, will find their voice or their story within this story because I am um, really trying to tell stories that obviously have been out there but going uh, towards modern centered situation that we are now um, and especially when it comes to the LGBTQ community you know it goes beyond just gay and bisexual so yeah that's that no. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I I mean, I, I love the book. I've not read more, but one day I'll read them all and I'll be more obsessed than I am now. But yeah, it's it's a real it's a real ride and I would recommend to anyone to to join us on it. It's really, really great. Amazing. Well, thank you for that. Um I think it's probably time to move on to my favorite portion of the podcast, the Would You Rathers. I've prepared <laughs> I'm an overthinker. Just a heads up. I'm an overthinker. This could be this could, this could get go really badly. That's <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, the first few I think are pretty pretty okay. So, would you rather be always too cold or too hot? Too hot. Too cold. <laughs> I think. <'Cause> yeah. <laughs> go on. I do believe. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I do believe so. Because, you know, I could just chill my, like, this would be the ideal thing to live in Scandinavia. You know, I'm my own oven and I live in such a cool environment, like literally cool mm. environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I think I would go for too hot. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd be too hot as well. Just because I, I feel like I'm always cold, but it might just because be it's winter at the moment in Yorkshire. <laughs> I'm just always in like 12,000 layers. So it might might even be that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Let's go into the second one. So would you rather have pineapple on every single pizza you have or never have pizza again? Never have pizza again. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm I'm fine with pineapple on pizza. I have Italian friends who will hate me, who always start this argument. I'm just like, you know, it's a basic dough. Have whatever you want on it. Jeez. Stop <laughs> shaming me for my love for pineapple. <laughs> See, I love pineapple. I just hate it on pizza. So I just would never have pizza again. I just, yeah, I just, I had to add that one in because I just knew that would conflict so many people. And I was just like... <laughs> I just learned how to make pizza dough myself. I'm not just going to give up that skill now. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally fair. <laughs> okay, this is um, uh, maybe a bit harder one. Would you rather live in the place you live now or live... Or the house... No, wait, let me try that again. I just can't read. Would you rather live in the place you live in now or the house of your favourite book character? I'll stay where I am. Did you say never live in this place again? So, um, would you rather live where you live now or live in the house of your favourite book character? Ooh, let me quickly think who's my favourite book character. <laughs> my favourite book character doesn't have a house. Uh <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not sure if the... If the like the golden hole in Edoras counts as a house, but I just imagine this to be so uncomfortable up on this bloody hill where it's so windy all the time. And you have all these Rohirrim around you that I know maybe need a shave or something, but nah, I'd rather stay here. Thank you very much. You know, I have Wi Fi and stuff. I, that, that, the golden hole doesn't have Wi Fi. That's oh no. I have, I, have, I have a TikTok addiction I need to, to, to feed. Oh my God. Genius. Phenomenal. Like, like the golden hole, the name <laughs> itself is just killing me right now. Hey, blame Tolkien. I didn't call it that. It's <laughs> golden hole. That's where, where King Theoden lives in Lord of the Rings. I don't I don't didn't make this up. Hmm. So, some of my favorite book characters come from Percy Jackson. So I'm thinking of, you know, Kemp Halford wouldn't be so bad. But no Wi-Fi. <laughs> But that will also mean that I'm a demigod, and that I have what is it what they have again like where you can't like where you mix up the letters and stuff like that and HDHD and and stuff like that. Dyslexia. Yeah. Is that what you mean? I, I was missing the word. Yeah. And then like, I'm kind of like intrigued by the quest and such. My other characters like I'm thinking of Peter Pan. Which, like, is then again Neverland and stuff like that. And yeah, but I'm thinking of the dark version that I've, I think, mentioned before in Brome. So that's actually not really a good good thing <laughs> as well. Um, would I live in my own world? Not an icon, I believe. Like, icon is too political for my taste. I would probably just, you know, like... As I mentioned last episode, I would if I would be a god in my own universe... Uh, I would probably settle in Darsum King, which is yeah, a place you're gonna guys you're gonna discover guys and you know, just chill my life there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kinda intrigued by the book character idea because like, you know, um 
I do enjoy my flat and stuff, but mm. I believe that some some places and books are also pretty cool. So I go with the book. Yeah. Uh, see, I mean, I must have another favorite character, like book character, but obviously at the top of my head, it's going to be Ron and the Weasley twins. So I just live in the borough and that does seem quite fun. Like, yeah, most days, like, you know, Molly's cooking. She'd knit me Christmas jumpers. Yeah, I'm moving to the borough. That's, that's settled. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um, so of your favorite TV show or movie, would you rather be in the writer's room as a fly on the wall just listening to them or have an unpaid writing intern job with them? Unpaid job. Yeah, same. Hmm. Because all the, my favourite shows are finished. Fair. So it's not a lot of tea to, to gather. <laughs> That's fair. Well. Yeah, I think it's also because, you know, like even though you're still unpaid, you still get to have the experience and mm. like being there and kind of like being part and most likely becoming... Like, you know, you get to meet the cast, people behind the scenes yes. and stuff like that. So that, that's a pretty cool thing to do. That's true. I, see, for me, um, I love Riverdale. And I would just love to be the fly on the wall when they decide things like, yeah, Archie's going to get attacked by a bear. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a cult leader and it's going to be um, Chad Michael Murray. Like, I just, I just love to hear the thought processes of those decisions. It just really made me smile. <laughs> also, like, thinking, like, I think it's kind of a funny idea, you know, that fly that gets to hear it first. And then when you fly around to other people who are actually reacting to that, I think yes. that's quite funny. Yeah. I'm just a bit concerned considering that a fly's long-term memory is basically non-existent. So you'd forget everything after like a second. Uh, it's yeah. a little concerning. <laughs> I'd be like, no way! Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my plan's ruined. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, and then the last one. If you could visit anywhere or experience anything in the world of Rev series, where would you go or what would you do? And you can, if you would like to add to it, you can pick a character that you could experience it with. Big question. Okay, I'm going to give two answers because one is kind of like borderline second book. So... <laughs> If we're talking about the characters in the first book, um, I kind of would like to hang out with Fear for a day, like hanging around mm -hmm. Fyodoka's store. Like the way I imagine the store is just like, you know, it's just that one place in, in Icon where you get to hang out. And I think Fear is just that character, you know, he has so many stories to tell. Mm -hmm. So I would just, he would probably be annoyed and kick me out after 10 minutes, but I would be like, <laughs> <laughs> but I would be like oh my god so you travel there so what's it like and and stuff like that you know and then like oh my god can i help you sort the potions and what about the herbs and what's this for like don't drink that don't touch that <laughs> um and and stuff like that but i think yeah i think he's one of the most interesting characters to be there like and to, to kind of hang out otherwise i guess i would go with like you know killian and jaguar just hanging out with him for a day to lean towards jaguar because i think it's kind of interesting to see how he has this day structured and you know like how he goes for life like and get to hang with Colleen as well mm. I, my borderline answer is on the other hand I would love to hang out with the squad all around Callaghan, Jester and Brixton yes because um, yes. like it's the hunters and you get to explore more of the hunters in the second book and it's it's just like it's going to be different from what you're used to and like what we're used to in Iking because it also takes you to a different place and like that place is just 
a bit bonkers and hanging around that I would just yeah you know it's it's this mm. kind of thing where you just hang out with your mates all day and it's just I mean also a speaking cat like <laughs> um, <laughs> And just like hanging with Brixton, honestly, carrying around, mm-hmm. he bullshitting on people and stuff like that. I think that's great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, how about you, Mika? Ha, ah, difficult. Because on one hand, I'd like to join the older people by being uh, annoyed and exasperated at Jagger and Killian. Because <laughs> that's kind of who I am, also in the friends group. I'm like the grandpa friend. Um, <laughs> That. <laughs> and on the other hand, I have a lot for pirates, so I would probably try to hang out with. It's Alicia, right? I'm not mis- making like mixing Shadra. it up again. Shadra. I mean, Sh- yeah, Shadra. It's it's kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, here we go again both. with me at names. <laughs> it's okay because Alicia is also someone kind of connected to ships and stuff. Um, oh, okay. There you go. So. Um, that is some uh, that is most likely the reason why you sometimes mix them up um but yeah you mean i believe you mean shadra um because she yeah she lives at the seaside and like yes is the very pirate person yes because i had two answers as well so number one would be i'd like a guided tour around the palace with killian as my tour guide (laughs) (laughs) just one on one (laughs) one of you will not survive that (laughs) I think I'm okay with that (laughs) I know what I'm doing I'm having tea with Allegro and just judging you yeah (laughs) and then the other the other thing I had was kind of in the same similar vein is I'd like to go to one of the parties in the woods with Peter so um Yeah. Either way, you won't survive. <laughs> no. Again, I think I'm okay with that. <laughs> Amazing. My mum listens to this. Christ. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should talk about what's this about uh, being okay with leaving life behind. May- may- should we talk about this? Is, is everything okay? My fictional boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> There's lockdown getting to us, maybe. Emma, <laughs> because I'm going bonkers. Yes, yes, yeah. I am. No, absolutely. No, I'm definitely, definitely going bonkers. It's okay. Um, if my answers haven't just proved that, then I don't know what will. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, thank you for that. It's always that that section just always fills me with joy. It just always makes me laugh, and I just I just love everyone's answers. So thank you so much. So. We're coming towards the end of our lovely episode of time together. Um, just to like wrap up, if you've got anything that um, you're doing for the rest of the day or other like projects that you're working on and would like to like plug and mention, um, if you've got any podcast recommendations, books or TV shows, films to recommend to our lovely fans, listeners, that would also be amazing. Um, lots of big questions in there, I realise. <laughs> Oh dear, if I start recommending books, we'll be here tomorrow morning. Uh, oh dear. No. Uh, well, I will try with the recommending books at some book started to like, because I read some. I mean, I've, I'm on the 15th or 16th book this year already. Wow. Like, um, I've done nothing but read in every spare minute. Also, procrastinating things, but you know that. <laughs> 
So if people ask, why do you, how can you read so many books in a month? It's because I'm doing literally nothing else and it's not maybe the greatest idea I've ever had. Mm. So, but yeah, so I just thought I want to get a book talk started because you can talk about, you know, authors that don't get a lot of attention. You can just sort of get them out there. And I think, yeah. I feel like book talk is a rather, I've not experienced it as being a sort of toxic environment. So far it's been very chill. So mm. I'm relaxed. So I think I'm going to go for that. Um today what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna have food later. That's that's something I'm gonna do. Nice, nice. <laughs> I'm not saying I have to think about that. What could I recommend? I suppose in terms of adult fantasy, because I think a lot of people feel trapped between Tolkien and Martin, like yeah. Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings. Maybe try out Robin Hobb. Who's uh, she's an American author and she wrote of the Elderlings series, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. I've only read the first three books, so like the first core trilogy. But maybe check that out. Maybe you're gonna enjoy this because it's similar to Martin's take on fantasy with you know houses and political schemes, but at the same time it has more magic than. Mm-hmm. But it's like it. I found it was the perfect sort of merge of Tolkien's take on fantasy and. Martin's take on fantasy. So maybe people would enjoy that in terms of there's so much young adult fantasy that you can take yeah. to forget about. There is adult fantasy out there as well. If you if you feel awkward at, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you know, buying everything out of your local bookstore, you know, always emptying the young adult section. There's <laughs> stuff you can check out. Yeah, probably that's my recommendation. Nice. Nice. I mean, I've, I've, I'm kind of with Mika. I've read so many books, but it's all like you know for my studies at the moment like I haven't read or touched uh fiction recently um so I'm like I'm really looking forward to finishing my studies and theses because what's waiting for me is the shadow and bone and Grisha verse uh, from Labour Dugo <laughs> and um as well the six of crows and like <laughs> read them in order it's my only yeah, yeah, read yeah, them def- in order d- definitely um <laughs> The thing is, like, it's so funny because um, at this very moment, I already feel so drawn to the series because I remember that Ebel and a few others, I believe, mentioned it the first time to me when it came to re- the very first words of, like, um, so Ref kind of feels like a bit of, like, Six of Curse and such. And I was like, okay, I need to, like, I, I need to put this on my list of reading things because, like, until that point you know you have similar recommendations like you know it kind of feels like Hunger Games it kind of feels like Divergent it kind of feels like Harry Potter and stuff so like the big classics but Six of Crows then wasn't just like very like I mean it it kind of was out there but like I think the the wave of Six of Crows got a got a rush up when it came to uh the Netflix adaption again right so and (laughs) I think it was yesterday I was just like you know I'm just going to do this because I have this feeling and I looked up Cass Breckers and Maya Briggs type because I was like, I've got a feeling that this guy and I have something in common and he oh, has yeah. the same ENTJ uh, type. So I was just like, okay, here we go. I really need to like, I'm so dreading to read this series. Like it's been a long time since I've been really like, you know, into a series because often I have it like I read things and then I put it away and sometimes I give yeah. it to a book, bookstore. But it's been really a long time since I've been really addicted to a book series again. Like, I don't even know what my last addiction was. 
it, it's I believe it's it's been Percy Jackson and that's, that's been a long time that's been a long time like where I was really addicted to get you know the next novel and like just keep reading and stuff um so I'm really looking forward to the series after my like I told myself at the moment I can't read like the only thing I'm reading is like the two what I have on my bookshelf which is most of the time all my study books or like uh my rest of the fiction books I have a book called Wilder Girls next to me um I haven't touched that yet so I can't really say anything but for podcasts I've been listening to this podcast called Vikings are gay and I think it's interesting um because this it's just I believe it's just six episodes and it's not recently updated but these six episodes they have an interesting take on um some things uh coming from the Vikings and like it's super like it's not these it's it's not this kind of podcast where it's kind of like you have this one strong side and the other strong side of like oh they were gay no they were not it's just <laughs> like you can really feel that the host is very uh very informed and just not talk, taking it out of content or something and I find it very interesting to hear that perspective with certain um things and then there's also I think it's literally just called The Heathen Man, which I've been recently listening to, which is also uh, interesting because it has a take on heathenry, as that true, and, you know, everything Norse, uh, which I think is very interesting because before I listened to that podcast, he was talking about, you know, the Azatru UK community, which I've actually joined a couple of weeks ago, I believe. And then I found this podcast and he talks about them and I was like, oh, hey, he talks about my gang. He knows my gang. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right. yeah, so that was really interesting. And it, it's really nice because um, he talks it through in a way of like, you know, uh, don't feel pressured in a way to like, you know, as with every religion or belief, um, you can be basically the way you want to be in that belief. So that's really nice because before I really came out as, as that true and stuff or like really like connected with, with that um, background I was always like but I'm really scared to like you know say that I am and like I don't know how these people will react <laughs> and it's, it's really nice to have these people out there that kind of give you the reassurance of like you know you're still as that true if you don't do certain rituals or you're still as that true if you don't do this or yeah. you're still as that true if you do that um so it's really nice and it's like interesting good intake I, so if anyone like is interested in, in interested in heathenry or Norse thing all things Norse uh, these are my two recommendations for today. Amazing. Amazing. I always feel really bad every week asking you, Lola, because obviously like, <laughs> every episode you're here, it's like, what more can you recommend? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I watch and I listen to a lot of stuff. So like, it, it's actually nice to always recommend something else. <laughs> Maybe I'll just slide Lola some notes. It's like, oh, you could recommend these books. There's, yeah. there's like there's like Derek Landy out there with Skaldagri, you know. Just maybe 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 mention him a few times, you know. Just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it. I love that. Amazing. Well, I think that wraps everything up, really. So um, this is. Let me start that again. And so we come to the end of this week's episode. Mika, Lola, thank you both so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Please come back and join me again chat chat more things to me i love it um if you would like to stay up to date with all the great things mika is up to you can follow them on at storm wind wind is that how you pronounce it at storm wind storm it's just wind. wind but spelt fantasy yeah so w-y-n-d 
<laughs> Storm Wind, thank you so much for their BookTok adventures. I have to say, BookTok is amazing. So please, people should get on it and watch videos. They're really yes, good. It's so. not very kind to your bank account, though, because you, you do end up buying a lot of those books. <laughs> yes. uh, AKA my whole TBR pile that's gone up to 100 by now. <laughs> so if you like books and have money, BookTok is for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, listeners once again thank you so much for joining us and i hope we were able to provide a solution for you please drop us an email at solutionpinkrev at gmail.com about any of the topics we discussed in today's episode as we would love to continue the discussion please join us next week for more guests and more solutions but until then remember to love hope revolt and subscribe bye solution pink was produced by elsie hamilton and hannah wyman Edited by Elsie Hamilton and the jingle was created by Mariana Ferreira.